the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. And then, when I was landing, that particular morning, the Saturday morning, the plane landed and... You know the way everyone turns their phone on, and I had about, I'd say, 10 messages within 20 seconds about the Irish rugby team and the win over the All Blacks. And I jumped out of my seat in the plane. I said, yes, they did it. And then everyone started going, oh, my God, they did it. So that was a huge, huge sports story. And the current state of Irish rugby is as good as it's been for a very, very long time. And we can look forward to the... Six Nations and the November series and the World Cup next year with great excitement. That is the men's game. But there is a book coming out uh, called Scrum Queens, the story of women's rugby. And it's written by Ali Donnelly. Our women's team have given us some great moments over the last number of years. Ali, correct me if I'm wrong, they, they, had, they have had a grand slam, haven't they? Good morning. Hi there. Yeah, they had. They had two Six Nations wins, uh, 2013 Grand Slam, 2015 title, and then, of course, squeezed in the middle. They reached the World Cup semi-final with this amazing victory over New Zealand in the pool stage. And so there, there was a real high moment for the That's Irish right. women's team. But un- unfortunately, we've got Women's World Cup coming up this November in New Zealand, and they failed to qualify for that. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're definitely on a little bit of a downer at the moment, but yeah. hopefully... I watched some of the, some of the women's games. Some of their games in the, in the Six Nations last time out didn't go didn't go so well. So, but yeah, yeah, interesting. They're off to a, a a tour of Japan shortly, aren't they? Yeah. So this is a historic tour as well because um, they've never actually been on a summer. T- or the, the Irish women's team so they've tended to play you know it's, it's largely been an amateur team I think that's on the verge of changing now hopefully we're getting it looks like we're going to get contracts for the players in the next few months but right. yeah they've, it's always been very difficult for players to take you know huge amounts of time off work in the off sure. season so this is a historic tour and um, you know hopefully is the start of, of a new cycle where they can they can qualify for the next World Cup and, and do well again in next year's Six Nations Tell me a little bit about the history of I suppose women's rugby as, as an overall sport and then Ireland Ireland women's rugby is, is that's your, your your book is about the sport in general isn't it women's rugby it is. It's, it is about the whole book, but I've got a long kind of history with the Irish women's game. I started playing myself in, in Middleton and then in Highfield, so there's there's a definitely a keen focus on Ireland in there. I think um, if in 
terms of the overall history of the game, I mean, what the book does is it it charts the history over 130 years. So it's 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 a quite um, it's a quite detailed book. It started women's rugby, like lots of other women's sports, actually um, starts to emerge in the 1800s and then you know became popular in around the war years and then disappeared a bit from view for lots of reasons. Lots women's football had the same experience and, and resurged again in the 60s and 70s. Um, Ireland were a little bit later to the party, so there certainly were women playing. Uh, during that same period but we didn't actually get clubs and universities kind of up and running till the 90s late 80s early 90s uh, and then the first test game in the 90s yeah I must say I was surprised to to learn that that women were playing rugby as far back as the 1880s because I thought like in that what they might might not have been allowed it was viewed as a man's game I I would I was surprised to learn and pleasantly surprised to learn they were playing it back that far yeah, I mean, look, when I say playing, it's pretty loose, right? They were trying to play. <laughs> um, and then what happened, as, as happened in lots of women's sport, when, when the wars kicked off, men obviously went off to, to fight and women um, started playing. You know, we have all these great stories in football in particular of women in England playing in front of, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people. That was true in rugby as well. There was a big match in Cardiff during the Second World War where there were, you know, 20,000 people there. And then the men came back and actually then I think um, that the stereotypical sort of, you know, patriarchal kind of world mm. reemerged. You know, women should be, you know, not not playing rugby. And, and I think as well, rugby had a rough time in terms of trying to get off the ground as a women's sport, much more so than other sports because it had that sort of extra physical nature so not only were women struggling to play sport but then you had this others they had this other additional factor which is high contact and there definitely were societal attitudes back then about you know whether that was acceptable or not so yeah very hard to get the sport off the ground in those days you you managed to learn a lot from a journal written by a 10 year old girl tell me about that yeah, so my website uh, is crumbqueens.com and uh, a couple of us run it and, and we've been doing some research to try and find out who who what's who is the first recorded women's rugby player and uh, what we found um, through, through some archives was a family in Enniskillen in Ireland had found a journal of a family member who'd been playing uh, in 1887, uh, she she played on her brother's team at school. Her name's Emily Valentine, and she describes in her journal the moment where she gets to play in this match because they were short numbers. Uh, so she she's still the first recorded women's rugby player that we know of. Um, so that's exciting. So so it's interesting. It took another hundred years before Ireland's first club was set up. So you know we know there was interest, uh, and people like her were playing it sporadically. But yeah, it's a lovely little story, and um, there we've got pictures of her as well. And she's now in various museums, the pictures, and there's a bust of her in the World Rugby Museum in Twickenham. So yeah, nice nice Irish connection there. Yeah, I remember the 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 match against the, they call them the ferns, don't they? The black ferns. That was the, yeah, the huge right. huge excitement that day. Yeah, I think that was probably in 2014 over in Paris the most um, the, the you know the, the the shock result of any women's rugby World Cup in New Zealand tend not to be beaten. Um, you know they won several World Cups. They won again in 2017 in Ireland, of course. Um, but that was a result that was a result of you know we had a very special team at that time who had come together they'd won the six nations the year before for the first time many of them had been there for almost a decade it was well coached um and a team full of belief and you know when you have belief and you've got good players you can achieve anything but yeah that was a very special day yeah i i was going through your your website this morning and there's some fascinating stuff 
in there. Your your own your own rugby history, what is it? Yeah, so I started playing in Middleton. I'm from Carrick Tool, just yeah. outside Middleton, and then I, I went up to UCC and, and played there on a high field. But I got involved away from playing in the administrative side of the game. Um, the IWRFU used to run women's rugby in Ireland before the IRFU took it on in 07. So I was on that committee that was running the game back then so I got heavily involved in you know I saw how hard it was for for people to try and you know get teams off the ground and get investment and so on and I, and I suppose I moved to London then in 2009 set the website up and I suppose I just stayed involved campaigning for you know I, I feel like um it's a sport that has yet to reach its potential for mm. sure and so it's, it's quite enjoyable to be part of the kind of campaigning the lobbying the re- recording its history yeah. and so on and there's it's you know we've got a world cup this year the next yes. world cup then is in england in 2025 so i think that'll be a big moment we've just had an amazing women's euros here for the football yeah uh, i think you know hosting it hosting it here would be great and hopefully ireland will be there yeah yeah it would be marvelous if they were it's unfortunate that they're not at the upcoming at the upcoming one you mentioned earlier about the professionalism coming into it and that their contract's going to be drawn up now we know look to be a, an Irish professional rugby player in the men, in the men's game is a very lucrative career. It can be a short one, but it's very lucrative. Do you think that they'll have that earning capacity, the, the, the women's team? Uh, pretty unlikely, I'd say, yeah. certainly, to start with. I think what we've seen with the players who've been contracted in other countries, so England, Scotland and Wales are probably good comparables. You're talking about sort of, you know, euro about 30 to 35,000 euro and then on top of that you're able to earn a little bit with appearance fees and so on I mean many of the girls turning professional all of them will currently have other jobs so I presume some will take some hybrid contracts where they'll be able to do a bit of both yes um, but we're, we're just not at the stage yet in the game where women's rugby players can earn significant sums of money, unfortunately. Um, but we're, we're getting there. I mean, we're looking. At, you look at other sports. I've used football as an example already, but they're about a decade ahead mm. on their journey of professionalism. And players there can earn better money. You know, not 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 huge sums more, yes. but they can earn um, earn a bit more. So you know, nobody's no women's rugby player in Ireland is going to get rich from playing rugby in the next decade. That's for yeah. sure. That the excitement at that final the other night. <laughs> was incredible. Yeah, I was there. I was oh, yeah. there at Wembley. Uh, yeah, and it was, you know, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not English, but it was a very special moment to be part of, particularly if you've been involved in women's sport for a long time. Yeah. And just a great, um, a great spectacle, one of the best sporting events I've been to in terms of atmosphere. Yeah. And the girl and Kelly, who scored like, the yeah. winning goal, with the name like Kelly, did we miss a trick? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's from West London and she's she's the youngest of seven children. So she's definitely, um, you know, with the name and the family and all the rest of it and, and where she lives. Maybe there must be some Irish connection somewhere. Well, we've got a union leader from Cork over there who who needs who know we might have a Euro winning goal scorer with yeah, some Cork we'll have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> when, is, when is the book on the shelves, Ali? It's out now, so it's out. I think you can get it in Easons and Cork, but you, it's. Um, I've had a few texts actually from friends in West Cork who found it in bookshops there, so it's out uh, and it's online as well. So, um, yeah, it's 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 there for anyone who wants to pick it up. Excellent, listen, good luck, good luck with it, and good to talk to you. That's Ali Donnelly. I used to write also for the Echo at one time. And her new book is called Scrum Queens, the story of women's rugby. Courts 96 FM. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.